Hello, everyone, and welcome to a mobile podcast of the most haunted city on Earth. My name is Madison Timmons. And I'm JT Timmons. And we are here at Doll's Head Trail in Constitution Lakes Park. So it's going to be over in Atlanta, which is about three and a half hours away from us. So we made a little day trip over here for y'all. Now, this is one of the creepier hiking trails that you could take in Georgia, in my opinion. So we're going to take you around and tell you a little bit about the history. And also we're going to talk about a gruesome murder that happened in this county. So let's Lovely. go ahead and do it. All right. Now we got to follow the bo- bobbers, as you can see. Got to follow those. That's how you, uh, that's how you make your way around the Dolls, trail. Yeah. Dolls Head Trail. All right. And it is raining, so if y'all see me carrying this massive briefcase, that is why I have to carry our camera equipment, um, since JT has the camera. So, now, uh, to tell you a little bit about the trail and whatnot, so Constitution Lakes was originally formed after the South River Brick Company um, had stopped digging up Georgia Red Clay, essentially, uh, which you can kind of see if you look on the ground, you'll see these kind of like crumbled up pieces that's all Georgia red clay that's what they would have made bricks out of and so they dug these massive pits of sorts to dig up that clay but when they stopped obviously the pits were still there and it filled with water making man-made lakes and so that was when DeKalb County ended up buying the park and turning it into what we have today. Now they did not make Doll's Head Trail and this is one of the first kind of like points where you see some of the dolls. So you see, uh, basically they really only just made hiking trails and boardwalks and things like that. Um, And eventually it turned into a 125 acre property. But Dolls Head Trail was actually uh, created by a man named Joel Slayton. He was a local carpenter and he found a lot of like trash and litter around the area here let's take a stop for a second uh when we get over here okay i'm gonna put this down for a second so i can actually talk to y'all as you can see this is all litter found from the area now joel basically uh because there was floods and things like that he found a lot of dolls and toys and things that uh, were washed in from those floods And so he decided to make an art installation out of this trail using the litter so that way it actually has a purpose instead of just cluttering up the park. Um, So any kind of art that you see on this trail has to be made from trash that you find in the park. You're not allowed to bring your own trash in and um, it is encouraged for people to make something out of the trash that they find. That's so, honestly really, really artistic. It's really cool. It is. Um, so you see... For, for our listeners, just real fast, for our listeners, what we're looking at right now is we're looking at, like, a decapitated doll. Yeah. We're looking at a super old uh, soccer ball. We're looking a dog at leash. A dog leash. Uh, we're right under what I believe is the air, is where uh, the planes land for the airport, so you can probably hear the Yeah, planes. you can hear Delta um, just, like... Yeah making their unofficial sponsorship over us <laughs> but here i'll go ahead and carry the case Ugh. um yeah there's also uh that one cartoon show like what's his name manny something um the builder 
guy yeah. from that one Nickelodeon show, they have him bleeding from the eyes with a liquor bottle. Oh? So that's oh fun. Oh my gosh. Hold on, I gotta get a shot <laughs> That's of that. a newer piece, I think. Yes. And, if, and for the listeners, if you want to see this stuff, uh, you, can, um, you can see it on our YouTube. Yes. Yes, yes. So, or if you join our Patreon, I upload all mobile video podcasts straight to Patreon ad-free. Yeah, so um, they are very adamant, though, about not bringing your own trash. There's, like, multiple signs around here uh, saying, like, please don't bring your own trash, please don't litter. But if you are an artist and you're in the Atlanta area, it's definitely a cool place to check out. And very creepy. I don't know if it's necessarily haunted, um, but it is got a vibe to it. Obviously, like that right over there, there's this little doll with no arms. It's like grayed out and super frightening looking. Oh yeah. Yeah. That. So like you see, <laughs> and, he, and, he's, and he's got a little hat on. Yeah. Got a little hat on. Yeah. And an upside down cross on his forehead. Cute. Okay. Yeah. Heard. So you see dolls are typically the objects that get possessed the most because they uh, replicate a human form. And so entities that want to possess things, they are looking for vessels of sorts. Um, So it's less likely for, you know, you to get like a haunted like hairbrush or something, not to say it doesn't happen, but a lot of times dolls are the ones that make entities feel like they're the closest to being human. So it's quite possible that some of these dolls could be haunted, but there's no like occurrences that happen with people out here that I've heard of specifically. Um, if you've ever had an experience out at Doll's Head Trail, definitely let us know. You're not yeah. able to come out here after dark where I feel like that would be the times where things would happen the most. But to be honest, the reason that we're here is we wanted to tell y'all a super, super creepy haunted Atlanta story. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, be in a super creepy place in the same absolutely county. So that's why we chose doll's head trail. trail we've been here before and we really do like it a lot um but yeah the house that we're going to talk about in a second is actually no longer standing so it's honestly better to talk about it in a place like this it is very artistic but creepy at the same time so um now we're going to talk about actually the defore murders at the montgomery defore house very nice so You see, this uh, murder would happen in 1879 on July 26th. And so at six o'clock in the morning, Martin Walker passed uh, by his grandparents' homestead, which was outside Atlanta here in DeKalb County, which is just about 20 minutes outside of like downtown Atlanta. Now, he had noticed that his grandparents hadn't woken up yet, which was very odd for them to not be awake by six o'clock in the morning. And so, he ended up going into the home to check on them. And when he walked in, he walked in on one of, whoop, hello. Yeah, there's some type of creature. Creature. Um, But yeah, so he ended up walking in and he ended up walking in on one of the more grisly crimes that would occur in Georgia history. Oh boy, I'm excited now. I will tell you, I know none of this, so I'm right where y'all are. So um, basically, Walker's grandparents, Martin DeFore and his wife, Susan, have moved into the area at eight, uh, in 1853 and taken over the operation of Montgomery's Ferry, which they had renamed DeFore's Ferry. And the home in which they lived was one of the oldest in DeKalb County. Okay. Now, the DeFores were well known throughout the community, and it was said of them, and I quote, 
that they had not a known enemy in the world. So apparently they were very sweet people. Um, people most, just most Georgians are. Yeah. To be honest, like we're we're really sweet here. Yeah, some, most of them depends where you are, but you know, some people are. Um, but these people especially were apparently. Um, but on the night of July 25th, they were both brutally murdered in their beds and were nearly decapitated by an axe what? that was later found in the fireplace covered in ashes and blood. Whoa. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. So that's the thing. This case honestly was so jarring for people. Jarring that, for me right now. I know. This I am sufficiently jarred. This case was so jarring that even the New York Times wrote articles about it. Wow. So, yeah, a place in Atlanta, Georgia, caught the eyes of New Yorkers in the 1800s. That's big news for people. So, you see, the murders shocked the nation. And on July 27th of that year, the New York Times ran an article under the headline called An Aged Couple Murdered, Found Dead in Bed with Their Throats Cut, No Clue to the Criminals. Goodness. While multiple suspects were arrested and questioned, the investigators still couldn't quite figure out who did it. So, uh, robbery was completely ruled out because even though Martin DeFore's wallet was taken, um, $18 in silver in the uh, bureau drawer remained untouched. And so, and $18, by the way, y'all, was a big chunk of money back in the 1800s. It sounds like nothing to us nowadays, but it's a lot of money. So it was weird that they wouldn't have taken that if it was a robbery. But nothing else was missing from the house except Martin DeFore's boots, which were found in the woods not far from the house. And they were next to um, a bunch of seeds and rind from half-eaten watermelon. Wow. Which is so bizarre. That is so bizarre. So the killer, the killer just... Nonchalantly. Nonchalantly was just, you know, eating some yeah. fruit. Yeah, fun fact, um, even though we are called the peach state, we are actually the leading state in the country for watermelon production. Uh, we actually produce more watermelons than peaches, so it's very on brand for Georgia at least. But <laughs> you see, um, the That's creepiest part of... I know, but... The creepiest part of the crime, though, was that there were no clues that suggested the killer or killers had um, uh, had broken in, but they had been hiding in the house, actually. Wow. And so before the murders took place, they were, uh, there were signs of in the upstairs room where there had been recent occupancy, including human excrement and Whoa. an adjoining lumber room. So wait, so this is like the boy, like the movie The yeah, Boy almost? Yeah, kinda. And they were living, so the murderers were potentially living in the house. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. And so the beds had been slept in and there, had, uh, there were no sheets. There were muddy footprints found on the windowsill. And authorities concluded that the killer or killer slipped in the open window the previous day. And so they hid in the house until Friday night when they snuck downstairs to commit the crime. Goodness. Now, the assailants also apparently had helped themselves to food and milk before uh, slaughtering the DeFores. This is so strange because, like, 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 obviously they must be psychopaths. Well, yeah. But, but I don't know. It's like if, they're, if, if the DeFores were, like, as loved as they, you know, as people said they were, like... 
I don't know. It just seems like a rare occurrence. It, it is kind of a rare occurrence, but let's go into the rest of okay. the um, kind of situation with the uh, investigation. So basically, uh, according to, to some accounts, two sets of footprints, one of which was barefoot, led out to the woodpile where they apparently must have grabbed the axe. Oh, so this wasn't planned. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. They they used stuff from the DeFore's home. That's insane. Okay. Um, now, at the time, suspicion focused heavily on traveling vagabonds, including two who had been denied lodging at the DeFore home the night before. And so, you know what I mean? Like, where basically they had asked if they could stay the night at yes. the DeFore's house, and they said no. So maybe they snuck in and helped themselves. But yes, so um, basically though, uh, it was heavily focused on traveling vagabonds, including those two people who were denied access. And a piece in the uh, July 30th newspaper warned of the danger of tramps. The danger of tramps. Yeah. So um, pretty much after that, it drew a clear connection between the homeless and the DeFour murders. Wow. Now, they were claiming in this article that the homeless, and I quote, they sulk through the country like wolves, only harmless when glutted, gathering in gangs where, whenever there is crime to be committed or whenever there is taint of blood in the air. Gracious. So they went hard. They did go hard. <laughs> so, but uh, public outrage kind of continued after that article for months and even years after the killings. And then in June 1883, nearly four years after the murders took place, a newspaper headline stated that the perpetrators of the dastardly deed were caught. The article went on to explain how a man named Joe Johnson had con confessed to the murders, claiming that he and two other men had committed the crime. Wow. Now, media outlets speculated that they were going to be executed by hanging because of this. But there was no hanging and there was no conviction because Joe Johnson's confession collapsed under police scrutiny. And every time they got a fresh clue on the DeFore case, it led to a dead end. Wow. So you know how like a lot of times, basically, uh, when you watch true crime uh, series and things like that, there are people out there who want to be like, I was the one who committed that crime because they're yeah. also... Um, you know, probably a psychopath, but not enough to actually commit. Cases. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and so they, this guy must have been one of those people that is like, well, they're not catching him. And I want to be the person that is thought, you know, yeah. who committed the crime. But clearly he wasn't. So um, basically this uh, to this day, the brutal DeFore family murder still remains unsolved. What? Mm -hmm. They never caught him. Oh, my God. Because you got to think about it, DNA wasn't like yeah. up to par back then. Jeez, cold case files needs to get on it. Well, so it's hard because yeah, it's know. like, how are you going to pull a fingerprint of somebody who's been long, long dead, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, but unfortunately, the house is no longer standing. It's actually an event center that's on top of where the house formerly was. But the people who own the event center have said that they have reported seeing a ghostly woman inside oh. of the property and uh they believe that it is susan DeFore, who is wow. still haunting the property but she's a nice spirit but on the true crime side of things i do find it interesting that they never caught anybody i mean it is a rather large county it's a lot 
more spread out than people think. So I guess it, if it was a traveling group of criminals, then they probably pretty easily could have just gotten away with it because they dipped town. You know what sure. I mean? Sure. Um, and so it's very likely that that case will never be solved because it's not like we can go back to the 1800s yeah, and gather the evidence. Unlike it, if it was, you know, in the 1970s or the 80s or something where DNA still wasn't good then, but we could at least still access the fingerprints and things of that nature that we weren't doing back then. Basically, the only things that were stolen were the wallet of Mr. DeFore and then, um, but the, the goods that would have been in the sign of robbery, which they um, declared okay. was not the reasoning for it, basically, everything that would have been valuable was still in the house. So it was just Mr. DeFore's wallet and his boots, essentially. Gotcha. Which is super strange. No, that's, yeah, that's extremely strange. That means, that means they were like, they were like, I think they were just bored. Yeah. And, so, and they, they pooped upstairs. Well, yeah, because they were living in the house, but they couldn't let, you know, the, yeah. the DeFores know that they were in the house. So obviously they couldn't be like, can I, because usually you got to think about it in the 1800s, most people didn't have more than one bathroom. If yeah. they had, uh, actually no houses really had a, uh, indoor bathroom. Most of them still had outhouses at the time. So if, even if they did have an indoor bathroom, there would have only been one. Sure. So obviously they had to, you know, be secretive about things. They couldn't be going out to their outhouse or, you know, sneaking down to the one bathroom and trying to like risk getting yeah. caught. But clearly it was a very like, uh, they disregarded the human lives of this elderly Absolutely. couple because of just how, um, you know, blatant things were, you know, eating food out of their fridge and drinking milk and leaving watermelon rinds by the dead man's boots out in the woods. Like that's so strange. Yeah. No, that's extremely strange. I think it's still kind of, um, considered that it must've been some like traveling form of criminals that just basically were looking for trouble. That, 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 this case kind of reminds me of the case it's like the first episode actually in cold case yes, files. Yes, I was thinking that too. You were too. thinking the same yeah. thing, where the where the old where the old couple gets uh, get shot to death in in their car, right? Isn't that what? Well, happens? so basically, oh, I don't want to ruin it for y'all who haven't yeah. seen the episode. Well, anyway, you know, they were murdered and their case went cold because nobody could figure out exactly who killed them, um, because their car was found in a like grocery store parking lot yeah. with blood in it. And that was about all they really had for a long time. Yeah, for sure. Um, but they were also a couple that wasn't like super disliked or anything like that. Didn't really have enemies. Like they were very liked in the community. So it was a weird case of like, why, why this elderly couple, why were they killed? Absolutely. And clearly it shocked a lot of people because this is probably one of the first cases in Georgia, if not the first case in Georgia, where an elderly couple was murdered in cold blood. The fact that it made headlines in New York where, like, you know, there's a lot of other things going on in that time period. Yeah. Why would they be reporting on some couple who got murdered in Georgia if it wasn't big news? You yeah, know? it was because it was just so brutal. Absolutely. I mean, to, like, like hack to, hack to part with an axe, mm-hmm. you know, almost to the point of decapitation. Yeah, they, their throats were so deeply cut that they yeah. were almost decapitated, which is, it, it's not like a, 
you know, like, oh, we're going to just kind of hurt them. Like, that was like, we're going to kill these we're people. We're going to use a serrated blade. Yeah, yeah, and we're going to make sure they are dead yeah. at the end of this. Which they, they, they had fun doing it. Oh, yeah. yeah. It seems like it. They It seems like they, um, you know, this is like something that they do regularly, maybe. Maybe they were early forms of serial killers, which is totally possible, you know. Serial killers didn't just exist in the 70s and the 80s, so, you For know. Sure. But... It is fascinating to think about, and I feel like, you know, um, even though Susan is the only reported spirit on the property, I'm sure you can pick up on some residual energy when you go over to where that property is, because a lot of times people think, well, when the house gets torn down, maybe, you know, like, it won't be haunted anymore because it's attached to the house. A lot of times, the energy stays planted where it was. Um, sure. So it can be, it becomes attached to the land. There can even be antiques that were owned by the DeFore family that somebody else has now who could have the residual energy of the DeFores. So it is quite possible that you can pick up on other things inside of that property, but I guess we'd have to go talk to them. Yeah, like, so. I, like I was about to ask that, like on a paranormal front, you know, uh, like if they destroy the house, um, um, does the ghost go with it? No, um, yeah. Never. So that answers that answers one of my questions. Um, you know, it's like it's like they destroyed Dahmer's uh, place. Yeah. You know, well, that was actually what I was going to bring up is you know like when they tore down Dahmer's apartment and things like that. It doesn't negate the energy of the uh, horrible things that have happened on the property. Sure. Those are impressions that don't get just broken because they're not tangible like a house is. Yeah. A house is just a placeholder for things. Um, and that's why, you know, you still experience hauntings. Like in the case of the Gribble house murders, that house hasn't been standing there for like a long, long time at this point. I can't remember the exact date that it was torn down, but it, it's still very much so, um, occupied by Maggie Hunter, even though it's a trolley car barn now. Yeah. And so, if you, if you missed the Gribble house murder episode, we did a, we did a, an episode on it, um, like a couple of weeks back. So, yeah. you know, go for that because that's um it's also that's another really... brutal axe murder so yeah we're yeah. always trying on this podcast to mix uh true crime and paranormal um well, know, they because... kind of go hand in hand yeah they know? really do because a lot of times yeah because paranormal oftentimes happens from horrible crimes or horrible tragic deaths you know a lot of times that's why a spirit becomes a spirit is just because of the fact that they were taken too quickly or they sure. were taken in a way that was just so heinous that they have a hard time passing on afterwards and a lot of times they carry the trauma over so especially in cases of very brutal tra uh, traumatic crimes that's why i say even though we're only seeing susan it is very likely that we're you could pick up on some residual hauntings sure. that occurred so a lot of times that can be the smell of blood sometimes it can be you know um voices like screaming or things like that obviously because it was so long ago we don't have um exact reports especially for a case like this where i don't think there were any witnesses you know it's um very unlikely that there would be any kind of witnesses who would report if there were any kind of screaming or things like that while the struggle happened so uh but you know, maybe one day uh, we'll get to go over to that event center and maybe we can see if we pick up on any kind of residual yeah, haunting. Yeah, maybe they'll let us in. Yeah. Well, I mean, a lot of times I find with places that are haunted, they usually 
Now, this is not the case for all places, but usually they own their hauntings and they like being haunted, especially in a place like Georgia. Looking at this propeller baby right now, this, it has a, it's a baby doll with a bashed in head. <laughs> yeah. And it's in the shape of a propeller. It's pretty cool. It is pretty cool. It, it's just so fascinating that there's just so many like antique dolls that washed up in the in the floods that occurred that caused the, those toys to um, get to this property but there's yeah, also come check it out yeah there's also a pig right here y'all gotta come check it out it's completely free uh it's in i believe what we in south like south yeah it's south like atlanta. south atlanta um yeah just look up uh the trail doll's head trail and it comes up on Google Maps and Apple Maps. Uh, but I will say it's a little bit of a journey to get back here. So just trust the trail because it feels like you're going nowhere. But then eventually you land on it. And it's Absolutely. super interesting. Well, thank you guys so much for joining us. We really appreciate you listening. And if you haven't followed us yet on TikTok, make sure you follow us over there at the Savannah Underground. And also, if you haven't become a patron, definitely consider becoming a patron on our Patreon because then you get to see exclusive content, uh, just JT and I goofing off, posting, interacting with you guys. And then also you get all of the episodes super, super quickly. So if you want to get them way before anybody else does, definitely consider becoming a patron. But with that being said, my name is Madison Timmons. And I'm JT Timmons. And stay spooky, y'all.